1: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight
2: loss. You're listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast, episode 27.
0: You are listening
2: to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with Dr. Abby Medcalf change your relationship even if your partner won't do a thing. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Relationships Made Easy podcast. I am your host, as you know by now if you've been listening, Dr. Abby Medcalf. I'm very happy to have you here. It's a beautiful day here in Northern California as I'm recording this. And, uh, today's episode was really inspired by a lot of the questions that you guys have sent in about things you'd like to be covered in the episode. So trust is one of those things that's been talked about, uh, in quite a few different ways. Uh, and I wanted to start with this, uh, episode today, which where we're going to learn a lot about trust in your relationship and things that are going to surprise you. Trust me, hold on. (laughs) Do you like that? That was my little pun there, sorry. So here's what you're gonna learn today and you'll know if you wanna tune in or not. How to establish and build trust in your relationship. The three components that make up trust and why you need all three. And this is the big surprise to most people. They don't realize that there's these different components that make up trust and that's what's getting in their way is that they're usually missing one. And then last but not least is always with me. I'm going to give you my top tips for building trust based on those factors. Uh, these are the top things I've used with clients for years that have worked and of course work in my own life. And I do want to say that everything you're going to learn today, you can use at work. It's true everywhere. It's not just true in your love relationship, but you know me, I, I do tend to talk about our partners and uh, focus there. So let's get, let's dive right in. So, you know, trust is something, right? We all want it. We all need it. But for something that's so important in our lives, most people know surprisingly little about the components that make up trust. Most people, you know, tend to think they're trusting their gut or their instincts they, when it comes to their relationships. But there's really much more to it than that. There's a first impression you get that is a lot of pieces, but really, Trust over time is something different. Now, trust can actually be broken down into three main elements. And I call these the trust triad because it's cute to have the alliteration. And those three things are competency, integrity, and goodwill. And let me explain each one. I want to go over each one with you. So, competency. in a relationship is, is big. And I don't think we always think of that word in relation to relationships, but it's huge. Does this is, you know, does your partner do what they say they will and do they do it successfully and efficiently? That's what competency is. It's getting something done successfully and efficiently. And that's what being competent is. So when you think about your partner, do they follow through? Do they show up on time? do you believe that they can do the things they promise or commit to? Are you just giving them that little nod of, you know, sure, uh uh-huh, yes, dear. In other words, you know, can they do the job of being your partner? And we build the competency leg of the trust triad by taking things on and following through. So we do it by not letting the little things slip through the cracks. We also build this by not saying yes to everything. When we say yes to everything, we cannot do it all. You can't, I don't care who's listening right now. You can't. It's important to commit to a smaller amount of things and do them consistently. Well, again, remember it's being successful and efficient. And this is when, uh, I talk about getting help as much as possible, you know, maybe bringing in help. So yeah, you might get done everything on your to-do list, but if you're exhausted and harried and hard to be around because you're so anxious, that's not, I'm not going to feel like I have a competent partner if my partner's that way. That's not what exudes competence. When you think of someone who feels competent, they feel confident, they're getting they're getting their shit done. There, it's clear, it's concise, it's economical, it's efficient. That's when you feel like people are really competent. So it's it's very different if I had, let's say, you know, Comcast come to my house to put in uh, cable. So yeah, they can competent, they can do it right. But if the person showed up. 10 hours late or, you know, didn't show up for days and then did finally show up and then had all their tools everywhere and left a mess in my house and grease stains on my carpet and all that, even if my, if my Comcast was working later, even if my actual cable was working later, would I feel like Comcast was competent. Would I? Is Comcast going to sue me for this? This did not happen with my Comcast, so, so don't, don't send me a bad letter, Comcast. Um, <laughs> I actually had a great Comcast experience last time, but anyway. Uh, but do you see where I'm going here? It's not just about getting something done. It's about how you get it done and how it feels to those around you. That's the competence, and that's really important. So do you have that, And, and or does your partner, do they exude that? Number two is integrity. Now, and this is probably the easier one. This is all about how honest you feel your partner is. Are, now, but here's what's clear here. People think of this as just lying or not lying. And there's way more to it than that. Obviously, telling big lies is a problem and, you know, saying you're an astronaut when you're not. But uh, really, when I think of integrity and honesty, I think about things like, are they telling you something so you won't get upset Are they trying to manipulate you to get their way or avoid a conflict in some way? This is all parts of integrity and honesty. Are they saying they feel one way, but you think they really feel another? Are they telling, obviously, outright lies consistently? We build up this facet of the trust triad by speaking our true feelings, being willing to have those harder conversations, not brushing everything under the rug. We do this by speaking as truthfully as possible all the time, especially about those little things. That's really where the integrity comes into play. So when our partners aren't telling us the truth, in other words, aren't really sharing what's going on, or we feel like they're not really being honest in some way, and that could be, you know, little things like. People sometimes hide money in relationships, you know, don't say how much things cost or sort of skirt around those things, or they know they have to say something that's going to upset their partner, but they avoid it. They put it off or they try to do it in a way that won't upset their partner, that kind of stuff. And that's all goes to the honesty nugget. Okay. And then the last factor of the trust triad is goodwill. And this is all about believing that your partner has your best interest at heart and that they care about you as a person, not just the role you fulfill, that they really care about you, not just the fact that you cook them dinner or bring home a paycheck. We tend to build this side of the trust triad as we express things like compassion and empathy for our partner's feelings, right? Makes sense? As we're doing that, we start to really feel like, oh, this person really cares about me as a person. It's really, we build this when we stop and give our full attention. We, we put down our phones, we uh, turn down the volume of the TV, we look up from our computers. When we give our full attention, we listen well and ask specific questions. It, this is when we build this. And it's definitely when you approach things as a we problem, not a you problem. So, uh, you know, if your partner has a lousy commute and they complain about it and you say to them, yeah, well, but you knew that when we moved here, we decided together to move to this house. I know it's far, but, you know, we talked about this. You know, you're just shoving it off onto them like it's a them problem because we talked about this when really it's a you problem. If your partner is upset about the commute, first of all, they might not have realized how lousy that commute was gonna be until it started happening. And so they made a promise basically on something they really couldn't understand, we we change our minds about things all the time. And so it, at that point, can it be a we problem? Like, wow, how can we solve this issue of your commute and not just, oh, well, you got to live with it because it's yours. So here's the deal with this. Now, you got to have all three together at the same time. <laughs> In relationships, you're not always aware that trust is being built or undermined by all three of these legs of the trust triad. And this leads to our problems, our arguments, our misunderstandings. When you're not aware that all three of these factors create a trusting relationship, you tend to focus on one or two areas. And they're usually the ones that you're good at, and then you ignore the other one or two. And then wonder why you're not trusted. So, and I'm going to give you, I think the best way to talk about this is to give you a couple really great examples of real life couples I've worked with. I always change the names to protect the innocent. Um, And they're just perfect little examples of how this goes wrong. So I worked with, uh, we're going to call them Antonio and Rebecca. And so Antonio was this, he he is, he's not dead, (laughs) is a super competent husband. He shows up on time. He does what he says he's going to do, brings home a nice fat paycheck. He coaches their son's baseball team. He follows through on his commitments. This guy is the rock of Gibraltar. He doesn't lie uh, in the relationship, really. I mean, this guy's super direct. He's clear with his thoughts, what he wants, maybe to a fault. <laughs> he's very, very, you know, right there. Now, Rebecca doesn't trust him. She thinks he's too self-centered and doesn't have her best interest at, heart's, at heart. She feels, and these are her words, often bulldozed by him. And she, they came in because she was super unhappy. And now Antonio, he could not understand her feelings. He, And this is a quote, other women would kill to have a faithful husband like me who does so much for his family. And right, that seems right. But Rebecca felt like Antonio wanted to keep the marriage together because he didn't like the idea of being divorced and not because he wanted her specifically. She didn't feel special or listened to ever with Antonio. And because Antonio was all about competence and integrity, but he was sorely missing in the goodwill department. The compassion, the empathy wasn't there. So there's a good example of that where you're missing one leg of the triad and you're screwed. And if that one doesn't ring your bell, I'm going to give you a different take. Just one more couple I'm going to talk to you about. This is a different couple I worked with. And... Uh, Lydia and Mark. And Lydia was a ride or die partner. Okay. (laughs) This is the ride or die wife. She always had Mark's back no matter what. If someone said a sideways thing about her man, she was all over them. Even in sessions sometimes, if I said something to him a way she didn't like, she would would come to his defense. Uh, When Mark would complain about work, she listened without judgment, with unwavering loyalty. However, Lydia also made Mark wait a lot. She was always about, oh, 10 minutes late, always 10 minutes behind, uh, would try to cover with little white lives so Mark wouldn't get mad. She didn't like when Mark was upset with her. So she would often really forgo her own wants and feelings for his. She'd agree to things even when she didn't want it. She wouldn't share how she really felt about certain things. She basically never rocked the boat. And Mark didn't trust her and was unhappy, came in because he was unhappy. And Lydia couldn't understand. And Mark used those words when, when he said, when Mark said he didn't trust her, she was like, how could he not trust me? I am so incredibly loyal. That's my best thing. I am loyal. That's what everyone would say about me first. So again, in this case, Lydia was all about the goodwill. She was all over that, but her competence and integrity were in question for Mark. And that's where he was feeling like the relationship was falling short. So now these examples will likely feel somewhat familiar to you, which is why I cherry picked them from my, from my work because, and I've seen so many couples of the years missing trust triad pieces and then feeling frustrated going, but I'm this, but I'm that, but I do this. It The but, anything comes after but, you've learned with me, is not what you want. But So the trust triad factors are like a constellation, like a constellation in the sky. They're, they're intertwined. All of them need to be there in tandem for trust to be felt and grow in your relationship. They all have to be there. And And I'm gonna say something a little controversial for a minute, but stay with me. You need that trust to build. You need this trust triad. You need all three pieces. You need this trust to build over time because over the course of your relationship, you will betray your partner. So it sounds harsh when I say it out loud. People freak out sometimes when I say this in session, but it's the truth. And if you let me explain, you'll see why. We all betray our partners in one way or another. Now, a lot of you are jumping up and down right now, you know, because you're jumping to the big betrayal. I would never cheat. I'd never cheat on my partner. I I hold that aside right now. When I'm talking about you betraying your partner, I'm not just talking about the big stuff. I'm also talking about all the little betrayals that happen as a matter of life. All the mistakes we make and misunderstandings we have, you can't avoid those. They happen. Uh, And, uh, you, you know, marriage expert Uh, John Gottman, who I love, this was on his, um, he said it or was on his site. Sorry, I'm going to attribute it to him, but I know it was close to him. And uh, he had a great quote about this. He said, betrayals exist in every relationship. More often than not, the betrayals accumulate like small dents. Other times they arrive like a sudden crash. In both cases, they present a unique opportunity for trust building. I love this because it's so clear. Yeah. So you guys are all thinking of the big crash and maybe some of you have had that in your relationship, but the small dents are things like making a simple mistake, make a mistake. It it betrays, you know, people get upset, not keeping a commitment, forgetting a special event, maybe forget a promotion or a birthday or that someone said they were getting root canal on Thursday and you just forgot. Being late. People get very upset with lateness in relationships. They don't feel valued. They feel like they're not important. Uh, Any misunderstanding. Being interrupted or dismissed in some way. Missing a cue that your partner is hurting and needs support right? They maybe gave you some sort of idea about something, but you were, you know, I don't know, distracted or on something else, or just didn't really understand how important it was to them. And so you missed it and they ended up very, really butthurt about it, right? I'm sure this has happened. Any kind of inappropriate drug or alcohol use, those are small dents. Not meeting your expectations about something when expectations aren't met. Making a bad choice. We make bad choices. It happens. We don't, always mean to, but it doesn't make it not real. Uh, not remembering maybe something special that was shared, a moment in time of the relationship or some you know secret or something. And again, not realizing how important it was when our partner shared it. It's at these times that you need to go back to the trust triad and ask yourself these three questions. When any of these things happen, any of these three things, I want you to go back and ask yourself the three parts of the trust triad. Do I think my partner's competent? Are they honest? And do they have my best interests at heart? When you ask those three things, you can break this down easier. You can really look at what, if, whether or not you're trusting this person and whether it's okay. If you can answer yes to all three, you can really get perspective on the betrayal. Whatever, again, how small or large that betrayal was. You can make better decisions about what to think and how to act around whatever it is that happened, instead of just reacting from our usual, which would be the fear and distrust. Okay. So all of that, the trust triad, why we need all three, those are the really important pieces. And now that you know what goes into trust, I want to talk about the ways you build on your competency, your integrity, and your goodwill. So now I want to give you my top tips for making those things shine bright, like how to really... These are my top tips for uh, tools really for establishing trust and keeping it and growing it. So, and again, as always, these will be uh, in the show notes. So you can go to abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 27 and you can look at the little notes there for uh, what, for all these great tools if you aren't getting them now. So, okay. My probably the biggest one that is so helpful for establishing trust is mindful listening. And the easy ones for that are saying things like, What I heard you say was, or What I hear you feel is.
0: or
2: you could even say, did you say X? Did you say Y? When we say that, when we do that, we're mindfully listening. We're we're taking in what they're saying and then we're sort of repeating it back. We're summarizing in some way to see if we got it right. And it's a wonderful thing to do. It's very loving. It's a great way to notice if there's, uh, you know, misconceptions, misunderstandings, or just just something like we didn't, Fully understand in the way it was meant. Maybe we thought the intonation was different. So, mindful listening, probably my favorite one, great tool for establishing trust. And in that vein, I want you to think about feelings and not only content. So, a lot of times people will talk to us, our partners will share something, and they'll share the facts about what's happening. And what's great for you to do, and you can do this as a matter of course, is to try to key in to how they're feeling. So, you know, if I'm sharing something about uh, how busy I am and how much I have going on, you know, it's great if my partner picks up on the fact that I maybe I'm feeling overwhelmed or maybe I'm feeling uh, just anxious, a little anxious about getting everything done. So, Then my partner would not want to, you know, if if you know this about your partner, you wouldn't go, oh, let me add some more things to her plate. (laughs) Let me ask some more questions or let me, whatever. You'd think, oh, how can I have her feel better? How can I help here? How can I be a support? Uh, And that's what's really important, right? So think about feelings, not just content. And part of this, again, some of these are intertwined together because I like that are to not to remember not to sack your relationship. You've heard me say this before. Don't offer suggestions, don't give advice, and don't criticize. When we do any of those things, we break down trust. The second you start giving suggestions, because really when you give a suggestion or advice to someone, especially when they haven't asked, what are you doing? You're saying you don't trust them. You're saying, I don't think you're competent enough to do this. I have to give you this fabulous suggestion because you clearly can't figure it out on your own. And what you'll usually get back is, yeah, I tried that. No, that won't work or whatever. You'll get the defensiveness back because it's like you're attacking their integrity. You know, this person's uh, competence and integrity and they don't like it. And so you have to be really careful when you do that kind of stuff. And even when people ask for a suggestion, I always, always encourage you to instead say to them, well, I'll definitely give you some suggestions. I'm happy to, uh, you know me, uh, And can I ask you some questions first so I can give you better suggestions? And by asking the questions, you can see if they can come up with the answers themselves. Okay, that's really what you want. So, and this leads into my next tip, which is asking open-ended questions. Now, open-ended questions, I've talked about these before on the broadcast, are, things, are questions that cannot be answered with yes, no, good, fine, or the, that kind of stuff, or a shoulder shrug. Open-ended questions invite more conversation. Uh, oh, you know, So even that, if someone asks you for a suggestion, you might say, hey, well, can you tell me what else you've tried to solve this problem? Right. That's an open ended question. What else have you tried? That's something they have to think about. Go, oh, I don't know. What else have I tried? And they'll go back and maybe they'll say, well, I tried this. I tried that. I tried talking to this person or that person. I tried avoiding them, whatever. And then you can ask even more questions. All right. Well, did any of those work when you tried A, B and C? Did any of those work? Did you have any success with any of them? Oh, well, actually, you know, avoiding that person at work who was bothering me, that actually kind of helped because I don't really have to see them. And I don't work with them. And it's, it's pretty easy to stay out of the break room that they go to. Oh, well, great. Oh, so well, what other help then do you need about this person? Uh, It sounds like you could maybe just keep doing that. Or is that? you know not possible sometimes you do you want some alternatives for what it's not do you see this conversation how different it is than you just saying well you should just do blah 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 uh, it's a very different way to hear people to be engaged fully and to really be in the conversation with them instead of just trying to fix things so asking open ended questions is really your key and the and a tandem to that is asking questions instead of making statements. This is hard. I've try- <laughs> I try this sometimes. It's really hard. So especially with my kids, I'll try it where, you know, because it's so easy as a parent to just constantly be giving advice and you should do this and what about this? So instead, I really try to ask questions instead of making statements to them. So if I don't like something, if someone, you know, my kid is struggling in school or something, I like to ask the questions instead of just you know, my normal, which would be, oh, let me lecture you about how important school is. Yeah, that's really helpful. Uh, I still do it. I'm human, just like everybody else listening. (laughs) And so I get caught up because I'm afraid, right? I'm afraid if my kid doesn't see this, that, you know, that they need to do well in school, that their life is gonna go to hell, right? So that's where I go, because I'm a Jewish mother. I go nuts. So notice your own stuff. Notice your own kind of what's going on in your own body when you're uh, making these statements, because they're usually from your own fear. Or trying to just get rid of this person and get them to stop talking to you, which trust me, your partner will pick up on and they'll be all over that and they'll be at you even more. So asking open-ended questions, not sacking the relationship, mindful listening, thinking about feelings, not content, and trying to make more, ask more questions instead of making statements are some of my top ones, but I'm going to keep going. So again, provide feedback only when it's asked. And give it in what's i call the growth mindset um way. And growth mindset is uh, the work by Carol Dweck and it's uh there's a, it's a great book called Mindset by the way if you haven't read it, it's amazing. Um i i talk about her work a lot um especially around parenting. And but the the research she has is all about emphasizing people's efforts instead of labeling their traits. So when you do give the feedback to someone, if if they're really asking and you really need to get there and, you know, you got to give it, just be mindful of giving, you know, having those conversations where you're saying things like, you know, not like, well, you're not, uh, well, you, you know, you weren't very smart when you made that choice or you didn't you know, that was stupid or God forbid you say that was stupid to your partner. Please don't. Uh, any of those kinds of things where we're labeling the traits. Um, I thought you were smarter than that. These are the things I hear sometimes uh, people saying to each other. And instead you want to really emphasize how maybe, well, wow, it sounds like you tried a lot of different things. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm amazed that you stayed at it for so long that you kept trying all this stuff and then you can ask a question, but how about X or how about Y? So always think in your head about pushing like in your agenda, what they're trying to do and what they are doing, not Ascribing traits to them of being lazy or stupid or overwhelmed or anxious or whatever, try to stay away from those kind of trait words. Well, it sounds like you're just really anxious and you're not thinking well. Uh, that's not really helpful conversation. Uh, it, it's it's different to say, "Wow, there's you know, you've been coming back and forth with all you know this stress you feel. You've really been hanging in there. It's got to be hard. It must be exhausting at this point." Those are different ways to talk about that. Okay. Because then you can ask questions like, well, what are you doing about your stress? And how are you dealing with that? And how can I help? Okay. Um, the next big tip I have is to hold the intention of resolving conflicts and creating solutions and options. The, I, I know this sounds crazy, but a lot of times people get into a conversation with their partners and don't hold that intention. They hold the intention that they want to be Right that they want to say what they want to say, that, you know, that their partner should listen to them, any of these things, or maybe you're feeling defensive or frustrated or annoyed or angry, going into a conversation of any sort with that, uh, holding that is a big problem. So You really, before you have a conversation, want to take a minute and really think to yourself, okay, we're going to resolve this. We're going to figure it out. We're going to come up with lots of different options and solutions together. Again, that's the we versus you problem, right? A we problem versus you problem. And just holding that intention and even saying it out loud, like, hey, I know we got to talk about, you know, your mom coming and you know, I don't like your mom, but I really we're going to come to some sort of agreement together. We're going to figure this out as a team and we're going to figure out lots. We're going to brainstorm right now, some options, just anything we can think of just to get the ball rolling in a different way, because we need to figure this out together. That's a very different way to approach something versus your mother drives me crazy. You need to deal with her, right? See the difference? Good. Next one is be sincere. Don't, Again, don't fluff, don't patronize, don't dismiss. These things are not helpful. And again, if your partner is in pain, then you're in pain. I don't know how else to say that to you. This is a two-way street, the two of you together. So you ha- So it's a joint thing. So you gotta be sincere in that. Gotta bring your, your full heart to the table. Okay. Practice giving your partner the benefit of the doubt is my next one. I love this one. Assuming, I, I've shared this before, I have a client who says that, Uh, It's about holding uh, the most generous interpretation of events (laughs) and, you know, giving your partner the benefit of the doubt is a really nice thing. And if you can practice that more and more that they didn't mean it, they're not trying to piss you off, they're not trying to hurt you. uh, And they're usually not, by the way, it's pretty rare. It's usually that they screwed something up and then maybe you got pissed and then they got pissed again and then did try to piss you off. But usually the initial hurt is some some misunderstanding, some stupidity somebody had there. I go with that stupid word. Sorry. So, you know, just not some thought thoughtlessness is usually what it is. And distraction that created something. And then people ascribe all kinds of meaning to it. Oh, she meant that. And he knew what he was doing and all that. And then people get really caught up. So instead, if you can just give your person the benefit of the doubt, it really, really helps. All right. Keep your promises is my next one. Every time you say yes to something, think of it as a promise and make it happen. Uh, I just had something with my partner uh, today. We're Scheduling a flight He does the Spartan races As everybody knows He loves the Spartan races And he Um he was waiting on me actually to make these plane reservations because we have to go somewhere. He's waiting at my schedule and that. And I I somehow missed that. So he's talked about it a few times. I was kind of waiting for him to sit with me and go, hey, let's sit down right now and do this um, right this minute. We got to get this done. And I would have been like, great, let's do it. But instead, I think he was kind of waiting on me to say, hey, let's sit down right this minute because he had said to me, we need to make these reservations. We need to make these reservations. <laughs> but in my head, because it was a him thing, you know, it's his race, it's his thing. I I just thought it was him. So uh, I, you know, it wasn't good. And he doesn't feel loved when I do that. He feels blown off. He feels like it's not important to me, Uh, all that good stuff. And it was a misunderstanding. I didn't mean to hurt him. I didn't mean to be a butthead, but I was, and it happens. And I just sort of missed it. So again, In those ways, it'd be good if I could have thought, oh, he's asked me this thing. It's a promise I'm making. I'm making him a promise that we're going to make these plane reservations. So that means I should look at my schedule right now and say, oh, why don't we talk at noon today when we're both at work? I have free, you have free. Let's get on the phone and let's make that happen. Um, And that's actually what I did today. uh, When I realized that I'd screwed that up, I said to him, okay, today we're going to get this done. (laughs) Let's pick a time. And we did. So, but these are the things that happen. And for him, that was a betrayal. He asked me something he's asked over and over and I missed it. I just totally missed it. I thought it was a him. And it wasn't, it, he was looking to me. So, uh, and it's tiny and small and we will endure and get over it and move past it. And it wasn't even like he was really mad or something, but I could tell it, you know, it, it hurts when you're asking your partner for something and they're not really showing up. So these are the, that's a great example of these, <laughs> using myself as these small ways that we hurt our partners, that we betray them without, really without that intention. <clears throat> okay. So the next one, and this is a biggie. If you do nothing else, do this one. (sighs) Don't judge. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. There's a very big difference between unconditional love and unconditional acceptance. I think your partners know that you unconditionally love them, but I would hazard a guess that a lot of your partners don't know that they don't necessarily feel unconditionally accepted for who they are. And because we try to change our partners and this, and people always think this is women trying to change men. And that ain't true. Men try to change women too. So you can just sit down if you were up on that horse. Uh, People try to change each other all the time. They want different things and they're trying to make that happen. And, uh, you know, really unconditionally accepting who our partners are in the world. It doesn't mean we don't strive to be better. It doesn't mean we don't strive to improve the relationship, but there is a place of just really holding who they are. And not judging it, so that while although we're not in the place we want to be yet, and you can still want to change something without judging it. I know it's big. So, and I'll tell you why I know it's true because I do it all the time. Clients come into me all the time, daily, even, and have a problem, and or something that's kind of horrible that they've done that they don't want to do. And I can give you something easy like uh, drug and alcohol use, right? I get that a lot as being in recovery myself of people come in who want to stop, let's say, um, doing drugs. And they're, I don't judge them for doing drugs. I don't think, oh my gosh, what is wrong with this person? Why are they doing this? I don't judge it at all. It doesn't mean I don't want to change it with them and help them problem solve and get to the next level. But I, I actually have the opposite. I feel so much compassion. I see the pain they're in for this thing they don't like that they want to change. Uh, and so I feel this warmth and compassion for them. And that's what I'm talking about. Just because I get paid to do that doesn't mean you can't do that any other time. So not to judge and to really unconditionally accept is big. Okay. Have My next tip is have their back in public, discuss in private. A lot of trust is broken by people not feeling like someone else has their back. So I say this all the time, have their back in public. So in public, In front of the kids, in front of whoever, the mother-in-law, in in front of, um, uh, I don't know, best friends, in front of work people, wherever it is, have their back. It doesn't mean you have to sit there and lie and be effusive and go, oh, yes, that's an awesome idea. I love it. You know, you don't have to do all that craziness, but be there in solidarity. And then later, if you have an issue, then talk about it. So if you have an issue, then later, just don't brush it under the rug. Later on, say, hey, I didn't like the way you were talking to our daughter. Um, and here's why. And I was hoping in the future we could do it this way. Or what were you thinking when you were talking to our daughter that way? What, how did you think she was going to feel when you shared that? Or, you know, what were you, what was your goal in talking to her like that? Were you afraid? You know, talk to me about it. Let me know. Cause I was having a really hard time watching that whole exchange. Uh, these are ways that we talk about it, not arguing in front of your child or in front of whoever. That's not what you want to do. That's not how people feel like you have their back. And by the way, it doesn't usually change anything that's happening in the moment anyway. So all it does is break down the trust without really changing what you didn't like. Okay. Two more. I want to give you two more. Uh, the next one is don't minimize or deny your partner's hurt or experience with something. So don't minimize or deny your partner's hurt or their experience with something. And we do this a lot, even in what we think are nice ways. Someone's crying upset and we say to them, oh, it's okay. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to work out. Don't worry. It's such, uh it's, it's so patronizing. Please don't do that. Uh, it's wonderful to comfort And to be there with people. And that's what you can say. You know, I'm here for you. It's, it's oh God, it's so painful for me to watch you in so much pain. I wish there was something I could do. Is there anything I can do to help? Is there one thing I could say that would make this better? Is there one thing I could do? And usually what people answer is, no, thanks. Just having you here is a lot. It's usually what they say. So just being there, ask again, ask questions, just be there, just be in their pain. Most of us do this because we want the person to stop crying because it's making us uncomfortable. So this is why people jump up for the tissues and run around and do all this stuff. It's just be, just be in the pain with them just to let them feel their pain. It's okay. It, it, this too shall pass. So uh, be there in the experience, let them have it, don't deny it or dismiss it. And the last one I want to talk about today is if you apologize, make it for reals. Uh don't say things like, I'm sorry you feel that way, or I didn't mean it, or I didn't it wasn't my intention to hurt you. That's those are cop-outs, people. Stop that. I know you probably think that. I get it and I mean it, uh, but that's that's not saying saying I'm sorry you feel that way is just a way of saying F you. Uh, meaning I didn't intend it or mean it. So that's on you that you feel this way. It, it's again, making it a a them problem, not a we problem. It's making it a you problem, not a we problem that that your partner feels upset or you know not happy with something you said or did or with something that was said or did not even by you. So instead you can say, like I just said, how you see them feel. And if you want, you can add how it makes you feel to see it. So, you know, like I just said, something like, uh, it's killing me to see how much pain you're in and, t- and maybe to know I had anything to do with it. Uh, it's so hard for me to see you hurting like this. I can see how angry you are. I can see your frustration. I, I want to help. I'm not sure what to do right now. Or what's one thing I can do to help? Is there one thing that would help the situation? If your partner doesn't see some sort of feeling response from you, because these are all feeling responses, they often think you don't get it and or don't understand uh either, you know, what you did or what happened or whatever they're upset about or how they feel. And that's where all the disconnection and distrust happens in not feeling heard or listened to. Oh, okay. That was all of them. That was today. You learned all about trust. You learned the three parts of the trust trust triad, you learned all about confidence and integrity and goodwill, and you learn why you need all three, and then you learned the tools for establishing trust. So hopefully this was really helpful to you. You got a lot of good things to take away. That's always my goal, that you have even one thing. My goal all the time, my intention is that you walk away from every podcast or drive away with one thing in your head that you want to try or do, or one little tip that you think you can use that day. That's always my goal. Hopefully I'm making it happen. I do want to ask folks that I would love to hear what you would like on a future podcast. I, I All the things I come up with are things you've said, I, I promise. <laughs> I don't have this many great ideas. You guys are the best. I get great emails from you, and I really uh, try to include all those. So I'd love for you to please, you can email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. Blech abby at abbymedcalf.com. I'd love to hear from you. I will definitely uh, do up a podcast on anything that you think is great that I can, you know, that I can make a podcast out of that sounds like a good idea. And as always, I'd love for you to uh, check out the free communication crash course for couples. There, it's my top tips for communicating with your partner. It's a uh, easy, quick hit for making it all happen. The link will be in the bottom of the show notes at the website. Have a great day everyone and I'll see you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy
1: podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com. Hold up.